Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us. He is Christ the Lord, and he has come uh, to meet with us. Sometimes the places that he meets us are great, joyful occasions, and other times he meets us in the difficult things that we walk through. We started last week a study in the book of Job. We're only going to spend three weeks in Job, last week, this week, and next week. But today we're going to dive back in. But before we do, I, I, I want to set a little bit of background for Job that I didn't talk about last week. The book of Job is a part of the Old Testament that we call wisdom literature. Uh, the Old Testament is broken into three categories. There's history, which tells the story of God's people as he is, is calling them and, 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 and developing them into a nation. There's the prophets who were always calling the people to repentance or giving the people hope uh, over their current situation. And then there's wisdom literature. Wisdom literature consists of five books of the Bible that provide clarity for, I don't know, the deep questions that we have in life. Ecclesiastes, one of the uh, books in wisdom literature, deals with the question, you know, what is man here for? What is man's purpose? Uh, you look at the book of Song of Songs, and it deals with the question of, of, of what is love all about. You, you, you look at the book of Psalms, and it, it helps you to know how you can pray regardless of what your circumstances are. You, then you have Proverbs and Job left. A lot of people don't see a connection between the book of Proverbs and the book of Job. But they both deal with the same question. How how does life work? Proverbs reveals how life typically works. Uh, Proverbs reminds us that God has created this orderly world of cause and effect. This is the way that nature works. This is the way that a relationship is to work. This is how life is supposed to work. And Proverbs tell us this is the way it usually goes. You know, you treat your wife well, you stay away from temptation, you raise your kids right, you handle your money well, you hang around good people, you tell the truth. This is what usually happens. And I want to tell you, I like a proverb world. I I, I do. I like getting what I sign up for. But because we live in a fallen and a broken world, sometimes life doesn't work out in normal ways. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Uh, Parents who raise their children well. Parents who love Jesus. There have been instances where those parents have had kids who've strayed and not come back. People who've handled their money faithfully, who've guarded their flocks, who've, who've not mistreated their neighbor and not used their, their, their financial gain to harm others, those folks have had plants close and their health fails and they've had to file for bankruptcy. There's been people who love Jesus who live in war-torn countries. People who eat healthy and exercise, who get cancer and have heart problems. Faithful believers can face the exceptions. Praise the Lord, these are only exceptions, but it's in these exceptions that our faith is tested. 
It's in the exceptions where, where we question God. God, what are you doing? Why are you letting me go through this? It's in the exceptions that people give up. And the reason that Job and, and Proverbs are related is they both deal with how life works. Proverbs says this is normal. Job says this is the exception. Sometimes in a broken world, this is how things go. Today, we pick up where we left off last week. We were introduced to a good man. A man who loved God and loved his family. Who in an instant had his life come crashing in on him. He began the day as a millionaire, but through a strange series of events, he ended the day dead broke. He, he, he had a, a, a tornado hit his home where all ten of his children were. And in an instant, he, learned, he loses his entire family. His health breaks. Boils form from his head to his toe. And he has no relief. And his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? But Job's a man of integrity. And Job says... I can't do that. And through everything, Job did not sin in what he said. Maybe Job thought, oh, it can't get any worse. You know, I've survived the hardest test. You know, I will rebuild. But Job was in for an experience that few people understand until they go through it. Job's pain wasn't going away. The book of Job in the next 30 chapters presents an intense suffering. An extended period of pain. Now, we don't know how long Job suffered, but we know his pain went on and on, and you can tell it's wearing on Job. And let me give you some of the ways that I know it's wearing on Job. Job 19.16. I used to have kids and servants, but I call for my servant, but he doesn't answer me. Even if I beg him, he doesn't offer help. I'm churning within. I can't sleep. Days of suffering confront me. My skin and my flesh cling to my bones. I have escaped just by the skin of my teeth. My skin blackens and, and, and flakes off. My bones burn with fever. Job's got it rough, and this is going on for some time. Even young boys, he says, scorn me. When I stand up, they mock me. Even if I speak, my suffering's not relieved. And if I hold back, what have I lost? I... I, I I can't, I, I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> this verse, it says, my breath is even offensive to my wife. I mean, things are rough. My own family finds me repulsive. Have you observed this as well? The initial intense pain pales in comparison to the lasting, prolonged pain that moves in. Trauma of an accident is bad, but it's not nearly as bad as living with the lack of the use of your limbs. Fights that led to divorce often pale in comparison to the loneliness that sits in. The news of the death of a loved one is shocking, but the grief that seems to move in is devastating. And that tells me as I read these chapters of Job, deep wounds take lots of time to heal. And the Bible's full of people who suffered intense, prolonged pain. Sarah's promised of the Lord she's going to have a child, but for 25 years she remains barren. 
even to the point that she scoffs at the idea that she's going to have a child the next year. Joseph was a slave for 13 years in Egypt. Moses wandered 40 years in the wilderness. David hid in humiliation from Saul. And in in Psalm 13, he cries out, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Elijah endured famine for three and a half years. Paul spent four straight years in prison. And these people were all commended in the Scripture. And the reason was they persevered. Today, we're going to see that their faith sustained them. But we're also going to see that holding on to faith doesn't come without a struggle. Uh, That's true for biblical characters. That's true for us. I was talking with a friend today who was telling me about a struggle. They said it was hard to hold on in that struggle. How how, how do you approach prolonged pain? How do we prepare ourselves to be faithful when hard things come our way? Well, today we're going to do two things. We're going to approach prolonged pain from two perspectives. We're going to think first about how do I deal with people who are experiencing prolonged pain who are in my life? How do I help somebody who's got it rough? And then we'll spend a little time talking about how do I prepare myself personally. So so what do you do if your neighbor, your friend, your wife, your kids, what do you do if they find themselves in the pit of prolonged pain? Well, I would tell you real simply, be be a friend anyway. If someone near you is hurting, be be a friend. Job 2 tells us that after Job talks to his wife, he has friends show up. Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, heard about all the adversity that had happened to him. Each of them came from his home. They met together to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Now, what we're going to learn in the next few chapters, they weren't perfect friends. But they start out pretty good. And they do some things that I want to, I think we can learn from. The, the, The first thing they do really well is they made contact with Job. They understood that there is a ministry of just being there. You know what I found? Because we don't know how to handle hard stuff, we avoid it. Maybe we're afraid we're going to make it worse. When we know someone who's going through prolonged pain, we're tempted to not go and not face the situation because we don't know what to say. And, 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 and what do you, do you say to a person who's going through a messy divorce after 35 years of marriage? What, what do you say to the parent who's had their teenager arrested? What do you say to, to, to that person who's in sharp conflict with someone at the church? It's hard to know, and I want to tell you, it's hard for pastors to know as well. In my first church, I was 22 years old when this church called me to be a pastor. We had 13 people when we started out. I'd been there about a year. We were starting to grow. There was a couple in our church who were 40 plus years old and they had never been able to have children. 
God blessed them, I think at about 42, with a child. A healthy child. A child full of energy. A spoiled child. (laughs) You can imagine. He had been having some leg pains. They asked me to pray about it. I prayed. They took him to the doctor. I got a phone call from the dad who had gone back to to find out the results by himself. He said, Pastor Nick, I need you to come over. I came over and this dad, who was probably six foot three, burly man, full beard, I mean, just tough guy. He's sobbing. He said, my son's got leukemia. And I haven't told his mother yet. What do I do? This 23-year-old pastor at the time, I didn't know what to say. You know what I did? Right there at the, between the door, between his bathroom and his living room, he's breaking down, holding up against the wall. All I did was put my arm around him and cry. I didn't know what else to do. But, by the way, his son, praise the Lord, recovered. Uh, he's, oh, I guess he's 34, 35-year-old man now who loves Jesus, praise the Lord. But I got a card about 10 years ago. I'd been gone, I don't know, 15 years since being their pastor. I got a tar- card 10 years ago, and the guy said, I'll never forget the day you came and just cried with me. I understand something about hardship. People don't remember nearly as much of what you say as they remember the fact that you were there. And that leads me to a a, a second point. I'm convinced that one of the most important things that we can do is make contact. His friends, they looked from a distance, they could barely recognize him, and they just wept aloud, and each man tore his robe and threw dust in the air and on his head. In verse 13, they sat there on the ground with him. Seven days and nights, no one spoke a word. They just sat there because they saw the intensity of his pain. Lesson number two, if somebody in your life is going through pain, be present, and it's okay to be silent. They wept and they sympathized. There was no small talk, no jabber. They didn't pretend it wasn't too bad. They didn't say, hey, you're going to have more kids. They didn't say, oh, you'll work out of this financial problem. I do a lot of ministry in Vermont. I've got a friend up there who is a church planner and pastor And Vermonters have a saying that uh, says, don't break silence if you can't improve upon it. One man who lost three children in a series of tragedies relates that he had two friends visit him at the funeral home. One friend visited him. It was from their life group. He talked and talked and talked about the grace of God. The man who lost his children knew all the things that the guy was saying were true, but he couldn't wait for that friend to leave. Another friend came and he says he just sat there quietly. He didn't say much. He didn't try to explain. He was just there if I needed him. And the man said, I hated to see him go. 
Job's friends came, and for a week they stayed, and they said nothing. And then Job opens his mouth, chapter 3, verse 1. After this, Job began to speak, and he cursed the day he was born. May the day I was born perish. And the night when they said, a boy is conceived, if only that day had turned to darkness. May God above not care about it, or let light shine on it. May darkness and gloom reclaim it, and a cloud settle over it. May an eclipse of the sun terrify it. If only darkness had taken that night away. May it not appear among the days of the year or be listed in the calendar. Y'all hear what Job's saying? I wish I had never been born. Job's in a bad place. It's going to get worse. Here's a piece of advice if you have somebody in a bad place. Catch this. This is important. Be patient. Hurting people sometimes lash out. People who hurt people, uh, people who are hurting have a tendency to hurt people. I had a pastor, a friend of mine, a pastor whose mother died. He was a single man. His mother died. And I went to sit with him about two weeks after, and he was still very angry. And he said, God, I hate this. And he said, I, and he told me, he said, Nick, I hate God right now for letting me go through this. And he raised his fist in the air. And he said, God, how could you let me go through this? This is a pastor. I was uncomfortable. But it wasn't the time to straighten him out. It wasn't the moment to, 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 to try to fix him. This is where Job is at. And at first he's strong, but this prolonged, hurting, intense pain wears him down. In the next few chapters, you notice the style of the text changes. It moves from narrative in chapter 1 and 2 to, to poetry in chapters 3 through uh, the, uh, the last couple of chapters of, of Job. And, and what happens is Job talks and then his friends feel like they need to straighten him out. And they try to cheer him up and they're not good at it. Uh, Eliphaz really bombs. He, he said, Job, you got wrong theology. Your mind's messed up. Eliphaz said everything was, is cause and effect. Back to the Proverbs thing. This is the way life usually works. It wouldn't be happening to you if you hadn't done something. Job's disappointed because he knows he's not a wicked man and he responds. Bildad speaks up and says, Job, all right, let's cut to the chase. You're really in a mess because you're a big time sinner. That's why you're in a mess. And repent and all will be well. Job speaks up and says, that's not the case. God must allow hardship for good and bad people. Zophar speaks up, and Zophar's really kind. He said, Job, way I look at things, if you really got what you deserve, you'd be much worse off than you are. I mean, really, listen to what uh, 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 he, he says. Uh, he would show you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Know then that God has chosen to overlook some of your sin. If you were really getting what you, were des- you deserved, it would be far worse. This goes back and forth for several chapters. And just a side note, guys, don't try to fix people's theology when they're at their darkest moment. Theology is to be utilized in trouble, not formulated in trouble. I I would maybe want you to think about a child who lays their head down at night. And when the lights go off, that child becomes terrified. 
all of a sudden there's monsters in the closet. There's ghosts outside of his windows. There's evil demons under his bed. And he's scared to death. And the parents will come in and, and they'll try to correct. They'll try to correct. But the best thing they can do a lot of times is to turn the light on and show them it's not that bad. But when you're in the dark, no matter what you say, it doesn't stick. Sometimes when we try to fix people in the dark, we do more damage than, than good. Be patient. Pray that they will see God's goodness in spite of pain. Pray that they would come to a place where they can see, God, you really have been good to me. God, you really have been merciful to me. Be a friend anyway. But what if it's you? What if you're the one going through the pain? What do you do? I would encourage you to be faithful anyway. If you're facing prolonged pain, don't give up. I would tell you also, be realistic about your circumstances. <sighs> Guys, your cancer may not be cured. Overnight. It, it might be. It might not be. Your mom's Alzheimer's might not go away. Your child's disability may impact you for a lifetime. Your depression may hang on for a long time. I tell you this because if you base your faithfulness to God on your expectations of how your life should go, you won't be faithful. But I would challenge you as people of God who've trusted in the cross of Jesus Christ, who has promised that He would take you from death to life, I challenge you to be faithful regardless of what comes your way. May you be able to speak the words of Job when He, when He speaks in Job 13 verse 15. He says, even if He slays me, yet I will hope in Him. It doesn't matter what comes my way. Now, this doesn't mean you give up hope of being healed. It doesn't mean that, that you, you become this uh, fatalist. Instead, you have this determination of saying, God, whatever the outcome of my present, uh, present situation, I'll worship you. Then I would, I would encourage you to trust God even if He's silent. We've already seen Job's faith. But it didn't keep him from wondering what, what God was doing. I mean, Job cries out things that we would say. God, why do you hide your face from me? Why, why are you treating me like an enemy? Have you ever been there? I cry out violence. Look at all this that's going wrong, God. I cry out for help, but I get no response. Where's the justice? I cry out for you to help, but you don't answer me. When I stand up, you merely look at me. One of the most difficult tests of faith is to trust God when answers don't come. Dr. John Claypool was a preacher in Louisville. He had a daughter who contracted leukemia. They had often prayed for her healing, but it didn't come. While she was weakening and wasting away, she asked, Daddy... When will this leukemia go away? He said, I don't know, darling. But we're doing everything in our power to find an answer to cure it. There was a long silence. And then she asked, 
Have you asked God when the leukemia will go away? Her father hedged a bit and said, You know, darling, we've prayed again and again for God to help us. And she asked, What did God say? And he said, I had no answer. Claypool asked, how, how do you respond to such childlike directness at a time when the heavens seem utterly silent? How do you respond when life falls apart and there's no sign of God hearing your prayers? How, how do you know what to do? This is when you rely on what you know to be true in the light to hold you up in the darkness. The Native Amer- uh, a certain Native American tribe had a rite of passage where they would take a young 12-year-old boy out into the woods. They would blindfold him and tell him to sit next to a tree. If he could sit there all night without taking the blindfold off or moving, he would be considered a man. If you've ever spent much time in the woods, that would be a difficult thing with all the howls at night, with rustling of leaves that would come, with knowing that there are dangerous animals out there. If the young boy was able to make it through the night, the, his blindfold would be removed in the morning, and the first thing that he would see in the morning was his dad was sitting just a few feet away from him all night with a weapon, ready to fend off anything that might harm him. When we're going through our darkness, we can't see. But though our father seems silent, that does not mean he's absent. He is ever near us. When dangers of this dark world threaten, have confidence that your heavenly Father is hovering close by. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, The Lord Himself will go before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not get discouraged. Then I would encourage you, if you're going through one of those times, to battle bitterness. Don't settle for it. We praise Job for his faithfulness, but when Job's pain was prolonged, he had to battle with bitterness toward God, resentment toward his friends, despair toward life, and even contemplated suicide. Job 7, verse 7, he says, Remember that my life is but a breath. My eye will never see anything good again. He says, I, they, they were telling Job, you shouldn't talk like this. He says, therefore, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will uh, 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 complain in the bitterness of my soul. Job seventeen eleven. he says, my days have slipped by. My plans have been ruined. Even the things dear to my heart. Sometimes in your pain, if you're not careful, you can quickly become bitter. And you can lash out at friends. You can see only the negative in life. You can get angry with God. But what can you do to keep bitterness from settling in? Let me give you three things. Number one, accept your experience as a test from God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Lord, if there's any way this can pass from me, but not my will but yours be done. I would encourage you to repeat the spiritual disciplines. Continue to practice them. When you're hurting, keep going to church regularly, even though those needs don't seem to be met. You know, get in your life group, even though you don't feel like talking to people. Keep reading your Bible, though you don't seem to be getting answers. Pray, even though you're not sure God is hearing you. Repeat the spiritual disciplines. 
then I would encourage you to remember God's promise of reward. Job's mentioned in the New Testament in James. James 5, verse 11, it says, So we count as blessed those who've endured. You've heard a lot about Job's endurance. You've seen the outcome from the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Dr. Claypool's daughter asked, What did God say? And God was silent. She died on Easter Sunday morning. A couple of weeks later, he preached, and he quoted as his text, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In essence, he said, Sometimes we mount up with wings as eagles and fly, and we're on top of the world. And sometimes we run and we don't grow weary, and God sustains us daily, but sometimes it's all we can do to not faint. I'd like to say, since my daughter's in heaven, I'm mounting up with wings of eagles and flying, but the truth is, I'm struggling to walk and not faint. But I still believe that one day God will make all things right. John Claypool believed what Job believed. I know that my Redeemer lives, and on the earth again shall stand. And sometimes there's nothing we can do but wait and hope, and sometimes, sometimes we're going to see in Job's life, sometimes the concluding chapter has a happy ending. Sometimes that happy ending doesn't happen until the other side of the grave. Even if it does not, we have the assurance that God will wipe away all tears from our eyes and He'll make all things new one day. Every week we offer an invitation. We offer an invitation for you to put your faith in the God that's revealed in Scripture. And He's not a God who who gives instant reward to the righteous and instant punishment to the wicked. But He does promise, He does promise that, that... that He will love us. He does not promise compact, easy-to-understand answers for everything that happens to you, but He does promise that in the end, He will work good for those who love Him. He is a God who demonstrated this is possible because He can raise a dead man to life. Today, if you're willing to put your trust in that God, revealed in Scripture, then in just a moment I'm going to ask you to walk forward as we sing. Maybe you're here today and you've put your faith in Him and were baptized, but you're needing to put your faith in Him in the moment you're facing now. And you would like to come forward and pray at the altar. We give you the opportunity to do that as well. Let's pray.